Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Our new co-host who is joining us, and she is here in our WellMed Radio studios, a young woman, Marissa Charles, a doctor of osteopathy, graduate of Texas A&M University, where her undergraduate degree is from at the real Texas A&M. That's right. Did I say that out Giga loud? Maggie's. I shouldn't say that out loud because <laughs> the other campuses are great. Oh, of course. But, you College know, Station is... There's nothing like it. No. Yeah. That's home base. It really is. What led you there? So... I'm from a very small it's a town. Trick question. Trick question. I'm, I'm from a very small town uh, down in South Texas, uh, right on the border called Zapata. And, um, you know, grew up there. And then when I had the opportunity, I had a sister that had gone to college in San Antonio. And I just thought I'd be adventurous and go a little farther. So, and there you station are. it is. There you are. And obviously, growing up in uh, South Texas in Zapata, you have to be bilingual. You know, nowadays not as much, but I grew up in a little Spanish-speaking cocoon um, in in uh, South Texas. So yes, both my my parents spoke Spanish predominantly, so Spanish was my first language. And as you uh, ended up graduating from Texas A and M, uh, when did you decide you wanted to pursue a medical degree? You know, I initially started at A&M thinking I might want to do engineering. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And then I hated it. So <laughs> I um, took a couple of AutoCAD classes and felt like that wasn't exactly right for me. And so I decided to pursue biology. I have an older sister who's a dentist. Ah. And she encouraged me to go um, biology to see if there was something in the medical field or dental field that I might be interested in. And um, I have a close, close friend who has... Uh, an uncle who's a DO who went to TCOM, Texas College of Osteopathic Medicine, which is the osteopathic school. In Back then, it was the only osteopathic school in Texas. Now we do have a new osteopathic program here in San Antonio. At University of the Incarnate Word. That's right, UIW. So, um, But back then, that was the only opportunity for uh, osteopathy. And I was just interested in that and decided to apply, and I got accepted. So, And for folks who, who don't know, uh, the history between uh, the, the medical field, uh, MDs and uh, DOs, uh, is one that was pretty rocky to begin with. The MDs uh, kind of turned their noses up at uh, doctors of osteopathy. It was pretty rude. Well, you know, the, the first DO was an MD um, who found that he could offer a little bit more um, by learning to do manual medicine. So that's really the main difference at this point, that in osteopathic medical school, you're also taught some manual medicine. We call it OMT, osteopathic manipulative treatment. But everything else as far as your um, pathology and, and anatomy and, you know, uh, all that you learn as far as your medical information is the same. And uh, as time has gone on, you're equally accepted and, and I find uh, that I have included been. in the same. Yeah, I've, I've ne- never felt that I had any um, difficulty um, pursuing anything that I wanted to do um, because of my degree. So no. And the other thing that people tell me is uh, the difference between MDs and doctors of osteopathy. Uh, you, you do a lot more direct patient connection. You look them in the eyes, you touch them, you, you get more of a sense of who they are as opposed to that clipboard with their data. Well, you know, considering that I've worked with so many fantastic MDs as well, I've not 
you know, I feel that perhaps because we have that manual therapy that we're taught, and so we are taught to lay hands on patients a little bit more. And sometimes when you're very busy, especially in a hospital setting, it gets to be challenging to, to do a lot of physical exam, but, um, it makes you not shy away from it when you've been exposed to that much training. And what's interesting now, uh, you can't have a conversation without bringing in, uh, uh the coronavirus, which discourages touching. You know what? That has absolutely thrown a wrench in the way that we were practicing before. Now we're social distancing, we're wearing gloves, we're wearing masks. It does, uh, it is a little bit more difficult to have that patient connection, um, when you're having to use all of these, although they're tools and they're for our protection and for the patient's protection as well. Um, but it does make it a little bit difficult to have that same kind of connection. Do you see a time when we'll go back? I think that we're, we're, going to have to find a new normal. There's going to have to be, once the the levels of uh, infection have decreased, we may be able to go back to practicing somewhat how we were practicing before, but I don't think it'll ever, not in the foreseeable future, that it'll ever go back to exactly how we were practicing before. Now, if you just joined us, I hope you get used to and like that voice that you're hearing. She is our new co-host. On WellMed Radio, Dr. Marissa Charles. She's at WellMed at Ingram Park, and we're delighted to have her on board. Uh, Marissa earned that undergraduate degree from Texas A&M, or Doctor of Osteopathy degree from the University of North Texas Health Science Center in Fort Worth, and completed her family medicine residency. She motored on down to Corpus Christi at Christus Spahn Memorial Hospital in Corpus, and then couldn't quite get all the way back to Dallas. You stopped right here in San Antonio, and we're thrilled you did. Well, you know, I actually made it back down closer to home, down in Zapata, and I practiced there for a few years after residency. Um, got my loans paid back and got to participate with that community for a while and then decided to move on up to San Antonio. Well, you, re- you mentioned uh, going back to Zapata to practice. Mm-hmm. It is so tough to get physicians to commit to a small community. It definitely had its challenges. Um, you know, the nearest hospital was an hour away. Um, you know, it did require us to practice medicine a little bit differently, you know, not having access to a CT scanner or MRI machine um, that could be done, you know, quickly if you needed to identify that kind of a diagnosis or problem. No problem. I'll crack your head and go right in and fix that <laughs> aneurysm. I can do that. Sure. <laughs> As you think about now that you're with WellMed in, in uh, predominantly seniors 65 and older, and some commercial insurance patients down to 18 years of age, that part of the uh, practice is expanding. What is it you like best about what you're doing, and what is it you want to bring to WellMed Radio? Well, great question, Ron. Um, As far as the the way that we're practicing here with WellMed, um, I find that I have a lot more of an opportunity. We are encouraged to to develop those connections with our patients, to get to know them. Um, The better we know them, the more accurately we can diagnose issues and try to catch them before they become a hospitalization if we can. We try to keep our patients, um, you know, using preventative medicine, you know, trying to identify um, cancers and, and other, you know, lung conditions and everything that we can do, diabetes, for example, we see a lot of that, um, to manage medical conditions as well as we can before it becomes a severe problem. So, you know, most of our patients will know we're calling them, we're trying to get them in, trying to get their labs done. You know, we do have some patients, obviously, that are 
you know, gung ho and will show up and come in and are so interested in some patients that we really struggle to get after them and find them so that we can take care of their chronic conditions in a way that helps prevent a more severe problem in the future. And that's the important part that uh, by intervening early on, Mm -hmm. easier to help somebody before they get sick. Absolutely. But also if you know your patient well, which I believe WellMed gives us a good opportunity um, to interact with our patients and get to know them well, we can identify psychosocial issues as well. You know, so, oh, I know that uh, Mrs. So-and-so doesn't have much of a family connection and doesn't have a lot of support in town. So she may struggle more in, you know, getting, especially right now during coronavirus, they may struggle with getting resources, getting food, getting her medications. And so making sure that we're calling our patients and offering them all the resources that we have available to us. Yeah, it is so frightening for so many people. Many of the folks you deal with are retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all. For example, I'm not retired, but uh, folks who are retired uh, don't face directly what literally 20-plus million people now face who are out of work. Absolutely. Out of work. Mm-hmm. A fellow I know who's got a, a wholesale food business uh, talked about how uh, before all this hit, Man, they had great plans and they're doing well and business is growing and his trucks are rolling every morning delivering produce to restaurants to feed San Antonio. And then within 24 hours, mm. he had no business. Gone. I mean, now, it's absolutely shocking. Yeah. He's a pretty creative guy and he uh, has uh, turned what he's doing into a, a retail grocery. He's also giving food away uh, to feed service employees who are out of work and can't buy food. Photograph in the Express News the other day, I'm sure you saw it, 10,000 automobiles in line to get food. I did see that. Here yes. in San Antonio. Here in San Antonio. Unbelievable. People struggling. Absolutely. 10,000 automobiles and, and family of two, three, four, multiply that out. Uh, those are folks who several weeks before that, that was not something they worried about. Life has changed in so many ways for so many people, and we do have to be cognizant that there may be so many patients that are stuck at home, scared to leave their homes, um, you know, and need extra support to be able to get just their basic necessities. Because, yes, either they're, you know, not able to work right now or because of medical conditions are needing to stay home so that they can avoid getting exposed to the virus. So it's definitely been a change from how we were living and practicing before. And to its credit, uh, WellMed has launched a program, WellMed Delivers, uh, trying to deliver food and necessities uh, to folks who can't get out and don't have the resources. It's a very valuable service. And yes, I am aware that uh, WellMed Delivers has been helping, especially our most vulnerable um, citizens that aren't able to leave their home and don't have enough of social support to get their own groceries and needs. You mentioned psychosocial a few minutes ago. We live in a world in which and, and a lot of it is uh, cultural. Uh, you grew up in a, you know, predominantly Hispanic community True. where going to see a, a counselor, a therapist was not high on a list. If you had a problem, you talked to the priest or you talked to grandma. That's right. You didn't go see a therapist. No, that's not, that wasn't typically part of the, the typical uh, day. You know. and, and today we're, we're in a world in which there's so much stress and so many people suffering from those kind of psychosocial problems uh, that the need for counseling is very real. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, and the good thing is now there are additional resources for that in, you know, telemedicine or in um, using resources 
digitally online, there are a lot more opportunities than there used to be. And people are having to take advantage of them. Stay with us. We're coming right back, talking with our new co-host on WellMed Radio, hoping to give you a little sense of the who, what, where, and why of Dr. Marissa Charles. And we're delighted to have her on joining this program. And we wish Dr. Joshua Beck the very best. He did a great job. Time went by so quickly. He was with us for a little over a year doing this show, and he's still a WellMed physician, doing great, growing the practice, and we certainly wish him well, and we're delighted to have Dr. Charles with us on WellMed Radio on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. So speaking of psychosocial, as we were, I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to WellMed Radio on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. Dr. Marissa Charles, our new co-host here, is with us, and we're talking about issues that are facing folks who may be homebound. Both of us are parents of younger children. She's got a 10-year-old and an 11-year-old, and in our household, we have six-year-old twin boys who turned seven today on the day we are taping this program, and our little older daughter is eight. She'll be nine in September. Whoever invented homeschooling, uh, let me tell you, it is a challenge, as you know. Whatever we pay elementary school teachers, secondary, high school, they need more money. It's not enough. How do they do it? It's not enough. I don't know. You know, we have been struggling with that um, for this whole time as well. It's incredible. And, of course, kids have different personalities. One of my daughters seems to manage to get her assignments done on time, my little sixth grader. But... My other daughter, we struggle. And so there's definitely days that I get home from a long day of work just to turn around and plug into the to the Internet and Google Classroom and start yeah, working we're, well, on Well, we're heavy into Google Classroom. That's oh, yeah. right. And, and, you know, you try to find ways to motivate, ways to create a little bit of trepidation and fear. So I remember the other day saying to uh, uh, the six-year-olds, now seven-year-olds, saying, you know, if, if you don't really get this together – you will be back in first grade next year. Oh, mercy. And they said, oh, great. We love our teachers. <laughs> <laughs> Not the answer you were hoping for. No. No, no. no. Connect. Yeah. Oh, no. My, my kids are, are well aware. And um, even my younger one is probably one of the taller ones in her grade. So she's like, Mom, I cannot be held back. <laughs> oh, that's <funny>. Not okay. <laughs> so she's got motivation. She does. She does. That's very interesting. Uh, and, and it's interesting in your practice you're at the other end of the age spectrum. That's right. That's right. Mostly seniors that we're seeing in our in our clinic here at Wellmed at Ingram. How old is your oldest patient? I have a patient who is 102. Yes. And doing? Doing fantastic. Yes, which is incredible. But yes, I do. I also have another patient who just turned 100 last year, and we celebrated in the in the waiting room back when we could right. um, with cake and balloons. Um and that particular patient uh, comes in on her own, walks in with her little walker, and is doing really very well. 
Well, we're doing a birthday party for the kids, a uh, virus drive-by. <laughs> so people have been invited, all their friends from school, and they're going to drive by the house, hang out the windows of their car, honk their horns, and then we uh, uh, rented the Kona ice truck. Oh, that's And so as fun. they go by, we'll deliver Kona ice to their truck, keeping spatial distance, of course. This is your Rona, Kona. But this is... <laughs> That's right. I like that. Very good. <laughs> well, it, it's really for, for the kids, it, for a birthday party that isn't going to happen, you try to provide something. Oh, you know what? Um, we had a birthday. We had a, a pandemic uh, birthday uh, with one of my daughters, and it was pretty devastating for her to not have that ability to connect with her friends. She had so many plans. Um, so something like that, a drive-by or a Zoom party. We did a little Zoom party for her where we got her little friends on uh, on the computer and they spent just a little bit of time on, you know, seeing each other face-to-face, which is so important. Well, Zoom is amazing. Zoom is and, really uh, fun. watching Jimmy Fallon the other night who's doing his show from his house, he, he commented he had no idea what Zoom was. Oh, never well, had a need for it, never used it, wasn't aware of it. Now his whole show is held together by Zoom. You know, and that's true for a lot of us, I think. I'd never had to experience Zoom myself uh, prior to all this coronavirus uh, situation. So so you Zoom with colleagues, you Zoom you know, into meetings. You know, right now, really, mostly I'm using it for family um, to, you know, Zoom with my sisters oh, cool. so that I can see my mom, uh, Zoom with my sisters-in-law so I can and my mother-in-law to see that side of the family. Um, some of my good friends, we've managed to have some, you know, Friday night Zoom get-togethers just to see each other because we miss each other so much. And that's part of what the new normal is becoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but those connections are so important. And so even though you're not physically in the same room, you know, being able to have those meetings where you're connecting um, so that you can voice frustrations and see how everybody else is doing during this very stressful time, it does help relieve that stress. We will find entrepreneurs and inventors taking advantage, like the new Zoom coffee table. Hit this button, (laughs) the Zoom pod comes up, it'll rotate, it'll show the whole room, and it's automatic activated. That's nice. Uh, well, you know, except that might uh, get activated at inappropriate times. So we'll definitely it might. <laughs> we'll have to be careful with that one. Well, our kids, because of the uh, uh, distance learning in school, uh, all have uh, iPads. Uh, but they have figured out how to set alarms on their iPads. And they become very creative because every night now, one with three kids, one of the other's iPad may go off at one thirty in the morning, Oops. 2 in the morning. Three in the morning. I'm beginning to think it's not an accident. Uh, maybe because not. we keep them in our room, away from where they are, so they don't play with them all night. And so it's revenge. It could be. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So you might need to get to where you're checking before you turn them off. I have to remember that one. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Yeah. When you look at the practice of medicine that uh, you're engaged in, uh, and, and I'm so pleased you agreed to do this show. We really wanted to have you on here. Uh, because more and more, uh, the way it's being structured, communications is critical. If you're going to be talking to a patient face-to-face versus uh, through telemedicine, in many ways, even though they're right there looking at you, there's still a barrier that you have to go over. We are definitely having to think outside the box in the way that we are treating our patients and you know, the way that we encounter our patients, the way that we see them, because we know that 
bringing a patient into the office unnecessarily poses a risk. It poses a risk to the clinic. It poses a risk to the patient. So we think about our staff, we think about our patients, and we're doing trying to do our best to protect everybody that's involved. So um, we're having to use so many new platforms. You know, we're talking about telemedicine, um, which is an excellent way to see the patients inside their homes. And we get a pretty clear picture from that. We talk about... Um, a new device. Well, it's not new. It's basically just an iPad, but a, a device called a GramPad that we're using where we're having patients drive up and do a curbside visit. We bring out the iPad. We have a somebody take their vitals and then conduct the majority of the visit looking at each other, you know, through the through the gram pad, which allows a little bit more freedom. Sometimes I do remove my mask um, so that they can see my face and see my lips as they're moving. So many patients do struggle with hearing loss. And conduct the majority of the visit that way. But then we'll still come out and evaluate the patient and uh, do a short physical exam. But the amount of time that you're physically face-to-face to to that patient goes from, you know, maybe 30 minutes to less than 10. Um, So it makes a huge difference in exposure. And that's one of the big things with this coronavirus. It's the amount of time that you are exposed to a, you know, say you have a person around you who is positive for the virus, the more time that you spend in front of them, the higher the risk of you contracting the um, the virus. Because so. it's transmitted through little um, moisturized droplets. bubbles that right. we all expel from time to time. Well, even just talking, you can be releasing uh, viral particles into the air. And so, of course, coughing and sneezing and um, you know, singing and things like that propel more of that virus into the air. But even just talking and breathing normally, if a person is infectious, and the problem with this virus is you can be infectious and transmitting the virus three to four days before you even develop a single symptom, before you have a cough, before you have a fever. No way to know. No way to know. Exactly. Uh, until we are able to do more testing, until the the capability to test everybody um, comes around. But until then, we're practicing as though everybody has it, quote unquote, so that we can protect ourselves and protect the clinic and the patients. Except the uh, the yin and yang here is while we want to be separate, while we want to practice social distancing, while we want to spend time with a mask on, really in our homes, the pressure is to open up uh, the retail world, to begin sporting events, to uh, Push people. I love your face. Oh, oh, That's, yeah, oh. See, this is perfect. Yeah. The, the pain because it's the exact opposite of what we should do. Hey, you want to go to a ball game tomorrow? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Um, so I, I mean, I understand the pressure, um, the economic, you know, side effect that it's we money. have had. It's money that that the economy is struggling so much, you know, because of the shutdown that we had to do, but. I sincerely believe that we did the right thing in, you know, having people shelter at home and the, you know, as long as people are continuing to practice their social distancing and wear their masks, it's possible that we won't see too much of an upswing in the amount of, um, in the amount of cases. Yeah, new infections. And new infections. But honestly, you know, and we're constantly telling everybody, the whole staff every morning, you know, you have to stay vigilant. Um, now is not the time to relax. Now, just because they're opening things up does not mean that the risk is less. Well, a fellow I know who owns a bar, which is still closed, was saying to me, uh, how are they going to set regulations for me to open up uh, so that it's a bar? Safety. Because what a bar encourages is people to sit and talk and laugh and touch and be close to each other. 
you know, that that is definitely a question that I do not have a great answer for, right. um, you know, with the exception of because even, you know, small groups and homes, you know, there is the possibility for, you know, one person who is an asymptomatic carrier to infect whole family groups. So it's it's definitely going to be something that we're going to have to adjust to a new normal. Yeah, we just saw it in the White House. This is not a political show and we stay away from politics. But if there's any place where uh, an individual, the president, uh, is overly protected and yet it turned out someone close to him in uh, his cadre of up-close employees tested positive. Because of uh, the virus. Because they weren't is, testing and testing and testing. Right. And then the virus is so virulent like it, it's it doesn't so, care it doesn't care and it's so easy to get infected and because there are and we still don't even know exactly how many asymptomatic carriers are out there because we're not doing universal testing um, and of course in the future if we're able to get uh, more tests and perform them you know I, I hear that um, they're planning on starting to do perhaps some um, elective procedures now you know like uh, surgeries maybe even dental procedures but for those procedures, they're going to be requesting and recommending to have a negative test before you can proceed with an elective procedure. But even if you have a negative test today, right, and you come in tomorrow for the procedure, there's no way to know. But it's no. it's the best thing that we have because if a patient is positive, then they're not going to be allowed to have the, their elective procedure. Well, we got to stop you right there. We want to thank you so much for being our new co-host. And we will do this every week. Time flies, right? You're looking really at me does. with Whoa. great big eyeballs. Yes. Wow, Dr. Marissa fast. Charles, thank you so much. I'm Ron Aaron. Talk with you soon right here on WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.